0: And it's not necessarily, um, you know, what you do for one client applies to another client. Um, you know, I work across both service and ecom clients, uh, and you know, the the difference is, you know, there there is a difference in the types of campaigns you run, the strategy that you put together, the types of ad creatives, the budgets, you know, you name it.
1: And welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched-on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin, and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google Ads, and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Shopos, Who a Law, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google Ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving, Real Housewives apologist. Alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello and welcome back to Smart Online Marketing for 2021. I hope that everyone has had a beautiful start to their new year and I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things now that we are in January and starting another year, so this is the first episode in a couple of weeks and I'm so thrilled that I've got the amazing Ali Wheeler from Society State and she's a social ads specialist and that kind of means that she specializes in the Facebook and Instagram side of things and she's got a bunch of experience when it comes to marketing so she really looks after her clients in a holistic way. So she looks at advertising from a broad perspective, not just the impact that the ads might have which I love, I love that full view of Advertising and making sure you're taking into account different things in marketing funnel. So Ali is so switched on, and I was so grateful that she was able to share her time with me. So let's duck into the chat. Okay, Ali, thank you so much for being here today.
0: No problems. Thank you so much for having me. We've been I'm so trying. Excited. This is my first podcast. So.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. There's been a few that have seen the first podcast, and I feel like you always come on. And you're like, oh god, it's going to be such a horrible experience. Then hopefully, I can change your mind by the end of it.
0: (laughs) Fine, I'm sure this will just feel like a chat.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's that's the goal. So I want to know. I want you to introduce yourself to people so they know what you do and who you are and all that sort of stuff.
0: No worries. So um, for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Ali Wheeler, and. I'm the owner and founder of Society State so I am a Facebook ads or social ads specialist as I like to call myself um, but I do have around 12 years experience in the marketing and digital marketing industry so I've worked with brands like Natio, uh, the Territory Insurance Office, uh, Soulmotive, um, just to name a few um, and I've worked both um, with agencies and in-house so Yeah, it wasn't until about, probably about 2015 that I started to work in the social advertising space and being introduced to Facebook ads um, and it's, you know, it's an ever changing industry and I just immediately fell in love with Facebook ads. It was both creative and analytical and yeah, I just, yeah, fell in love. And then from there, I, um, I I found myself in a position that I was looking for more my role that I was in at the time, I just didn't feel like I was growing, so I decided to branch out and go part-time, and my um, employees at the time uh, were kind enough to let me drop down to part-time, and um, that's when I started Society State, so that was just over three years ago now.
1: Okay, a couple of things. First of all, <laughs> I'm so glad that you <laughs> said Natio because I used to work in pharmacy. Is oh. it Natio? Did you say Natio or Natio? It's Natio, and Natio. your that brand was one of the trickiest ones. No one could pronounce it right. Everyone was like, "Is it Natio? Is it Natio? Is it Natio?" Yep. You would have got that all the time working there, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm now glad that I actually was pronouncing it right all along. Anyway, that is by the by. But I love what you said about how you kind of got introduced to social ads, and I think that, um, like me, and you, you said that it involves both the creative and analytical parts of your brain which kind of engages both parts and it's it, that's why I think that we probably find it so addictive is that
0: yes true for yeah. you? yeah like I um you know my previous roles I've worked you know across public relations elements I was working on you know organic socials how um, do I measure it <laughs> yeah like events everything and Um, You know, as soon as I saw that the Facebook ads popped up and I could actually exactly see where my marketing budget was going and what the results were having um, was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, you know, I'd been working across... Um, campaigns that had, we were putting up billboards around the city, we were doing posters, you know, advertised on buses, like all these types, types of things, but you could never see where the results were coming. So I think that's what I love about Facebook advertising.
1: <laughs> I agree. Like, I think the measurability side of things of both Facebook and for me, Google as well, is that the measurability side of things like is unmatched that you can literally see this click causes this sale. And this is what on the Google side, this is what they search for. This is the ad creative that they saw on Facebook. And it really ties this direct link back. Whereas I'm probably someone that's too impatient and I just, maybe there's element of some control issues there too, but yeah. I'd just love to be able to draw that really clear line between ad spend and
0: performance. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, yeah, getting down into those really nitty-gritty details, you can see exactly where the actions were taking place. And um, for me, from a a social ads perspective, you know, you can see what placements are working, what creatives working, um, you know, what calls to action are working. Um, Yeah, it's very nerdy and all of it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I agree. And you said that you started to get into Facebook ads around 2015. So much would have changed. We're now at the end of actually, when this episode goes live, when you're at the beginning of 2021, so so much has changed in that five and a half to six years that you, it's not sort of something that you learn at uni once and then you've got that skill for the rest of your life. So how do you cope in an industry that you do have to constantly like be on the ball and be, especially when now you work for yourself, self-learning and engaging in that? I mean, you know, you constant evolving and, and upskilling. How do you deal with that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's just in my nature that I'm, you know, always wanting to learn something new and I'm, you know, subscribed to a million different websites and, um, you know, email notifications and things. And I think it's just the nature of the industry that we're in and, you know, digital marketing is changing nearly every day. And if I think back to when I studied um, public relations and journalism at uni, uh, Facebook was only just starting and that was you know from a personal perspective, not even from a business perspective. So, um, I think it's just you know, as a marketer, you have to be wanting to learn, um, you've got to be nimble, and you know, you've got to want to be you know, wanting to invest in your education on an ongoing basis, whether that's signing up for short courses or whatnot. Um, you know, you just have to want to do it. So, and for me, it's mainly been just a lot of Googling, to be honest, a lot of research. Um, And I think the biggest one for me has just been actually getting deep into learning and learning on the job. So, you know, I've had fantastic clients where I've, you know, they've had bigger budgets and, you know, wanting to invest. So that's where I've made, made my main learning is actually on the job. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a hard one, I suppose, but yeah.
1: And I think that what you said is true, like you can do the benefit of being like a client manager and having a portfolio of different clients is that you can spot trends against different accounts and you can spot, okay, well, this is working really well now. And there's nothing like being able to test things and learning real time. Like there's, you can complement that with doing short courses and, but unless you're getting your hands dirty inside an account. And yes. I think that's really important if you're looking to learn off someone as well is that a lot of specialists will, they might have been a specialist 10 years ago in Facebook or Google ads, for example, but they haven't yes. set foot in an account in three years and so much has changed during that time. So I think that yes. that's like there's nothing that beats, just that hands-on getting yes. dirty inside an account and just yes. testing and optimising because that's where you, you learn and you're able to change on the fly.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think you know, and it's not necessarily um, you know what you do for one client applies to another client. Um, you know, I work across both service and ecom clients, uh, and you know the the difference is you know there there is a difference in the types of campaigns you run, the strategy that you put together, the types of ad creatives, the budgets, you know, you name it. And you know, one client may have you know a, a list of a thousand people, whereas like an email list, for example. Um, whereas another client may have an email list of 200,000. So, you know, every single client is different and I think, um, you know, that's just the nature of the job and, you know, you have to be willing to, I suppose, communicate that quite clearly with your clients as well, is that every single client you work with is an ongoing test, especially at the start as well um, because, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's not, there's no easy answers with with social media advertising, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it is all, it is all really a test because everyone brings different, like you can bring the ad strategy to the table, but then they bring the website and the product or the service. And so that like, it's, it doesn't like my huge thing is an ads account doesn't succeed in isolation. Like it's got to succeed because it's got a great offer, like got a great offer behind it, or it's got a great product set behind it, or it has to have something to sell to, to make it great as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of my um, like, one of my favorite sayings is, and I'm not sure if I can swear or say about no, it, but, so you swear. <laughs> um, is like you can't polish a turd. So yeah, that's not
1: um, a swear word, please. No, I
0: know, but you know, I'm trying to be professional. But, <laughs> but I lo- I love saying that because you know, if a client comes to me and they've got a really poor performing website, their conversion rates are really bad, or you know, their product offering is not up to scratch or their um, image library is no good or, you know, their actual just marketing strategy is really bad, Um, that's where it's so much harder to actually get your um, social advertising to work and, you know, it doesn't just, you know, the sales don't come in just because of Facebook ads. They get people to view your product, you build that awareness, you drive that traffic, but that's only one half of the story. The other half is actually getting people onto your website and then that's where the sales process starts. So, yeah, one
1: hundred percent. And I think I think that that is something that, as client managers, we have to be really careful to set those clear expectations because, and be mindful of who we're taking on as clients. Because then, obviously, if it's something doesn't perform, that reflects poorly on us as ad managers. But sometimes your hands are tied with what else you're given in terms of the creative assets and things like that. But before we get too deep inside, like your business and that sort of stuff. I'm really keen to hear because you said that, you know, you started Society State in 2017 and you were fortunate that the employee you had at the time was let let you go part-time so you could kind of build this on the side. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to actually want to start your own business if you had like a full-time, I presume, secure employment? What was kind of the impetus to then think, hey, I kind of want to go down on my own path and see if that's a goer?
0: yeah i um i'd worked you know in the industry for you know over ten ten years at that time and um at that time i was in a role that was my dream job and um it was probably my my second dream job in my career to to that point and i was super lucky and had a lovely team behind me but I'd reached a position in that company that they were a small family-owned business, um, and there was only so much my role could grow within that um, within that team. And um, you know, in that time, I'd managed to have bring on a direct report, um, you know, and I was managing the communications for one of Melbourne's biggest fun runs. So for me, it was it was a dream role at the time, but there was only so far I could go. And I thought, well, what's what's next for me? Do I want to keep working for somebody else you know do I want flexibility in my career do you know what do I really want and for me at that point I really wanted to see whether I could make it work as a freelancer Um, and I really wanted to explore working more in social advertising and more with brands that I could actually see I was having impact on their business Um, so yeah that's sort of where it all started and I can't believe it, that, you know, now, you know, a couple of years down the track, I'm I'm full-time and my business has grown, you know, exponentially this year, which this year, being now being 2020, um, I don't know, you're probably bringing this out next year, but, um, yeah, it's it's been a really tough year, but super rewarding at the same time. And I think that um, it is
1: such a great position to be in to kind of step your foot into something on a part-time basis and still know that you do have, revenue like your own pay coming through and then being able to test out the waters at what point did you find that it was becoming unmanageable to handle both because you do reach this tipping point when you're like I'm I can't grow my freelance business because I'm I'm committed to these hours but I can't I don't know whether I'm like it's like this risk evaluation
0: right Exactly. Um, yeah. So I'd at that point that I I, I was toying with the idea of going full time. Um, I'd changed my part time role to another um, business, which um, some people will know here in Melbourne if you're a Melbourne listener, um, is a fashion brand called Feather and Noise, and you know I worked for them for almost a year full uh, sorry part time as well. And I'd got to the point where, you know, I was juggling a couple of days a week working for myself, a couple of days a week um, in-house at Feather Noise. And I was working nights and I was working weekends and I was getting really anxious and really stressed. And I knew that something had to give. um, And I was trying to make it work. I really loved, you know, having, I suppose, that one-on-one contact during the week i was seeing friends seeing colleagues you know having that office banter um but you know then i was coming home and working on my own business and it felt great but also you know i was weighing up i suppose the both physical and mental health of myself um and also you know the impact that i could have on my clients and you know it got to the point where I felt worse for turning down work for my business Um, and that was the kind of tipping point. It was like, you know, if I'm saying no to things that I want to work on or people that I want to help with digital marketing or or Facebook advertising and I can't because I'm also stuck in a part-time job, that's when I knew that I had to go full-time. And yeah, for me it was, you know, March 2020 and that was I went full-time one week before our first lockdown uh, here in Melbourne and I was scared, (laughs) really scared. Yeah,
1: I can imagine. And I think that, um, like, I think what you were saying, how it's manageable to a point, like I've done sort of the same thing where you're, you're working during the day and you're kind of committing to things at night and, and maybe doing stuff on the weekend and that's manageable to a point, but it gets to the, the situation where you're like, I don't want to be, I have to choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, shows that in March 2020 which looking back was like an incredibly risky move to do it right then but you had no idea what was coming up did that scare you at the time to think holy crap I've just gone full-time my own business and there's a once in a century situation happening with a global pandemic that really could impact like my clients my revenue I know from my perspective like I reached out to some of my clients and said, Hey, let's pause your ads for a couple of months and I'll take like, we'll stop working together because it's not viable right now. And it was so uncertain during Mm -hmm. that
0: time. Yeah, it was. It was, um, yeah, I'd made the decision obviously, you know, uh, you know, earlier on in the year, um, gave my notice, gave, um, my employer notice and yeah, that week coming up that, you know, we were hearing all these murmurs around the pandemic and wasn't sure what was happening. And then, yeah, that week before being put into lockdown and that was the week that I started my business. I was really scared. And I, I did the same thing. I reached out to clients and said, hey, look, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm happy to take this ride with you. Let me know what you feel comfortable doing. And I was really open and honest and transparent. Um, You know, at that time, some of my clients, um, you know, either backed off um, their retainers or some of them paused their ads for a little while, but most actually still stayed on because um, I suppose they could potentially see into a crystal ball because this year, some of my e-commerce clients have had their best months. Um, Yeah, i just, everyone was online shopping and yeah, I'm really, you know, happy for my clients that did manage to stick around because I could... Help them, you know, achieve amazing results that they never would have seen coming.
1: So, yeah, yeah agreed. Like some course. some businesses in that that I work with, that April, May, June, July period was oh. just off the hook, yep. and no one could have predicted that, like, better than their best December, if you know, yep. better than anything that they've ever experienced before, because like people couldn't shop in store anymore. Exactly. Um, okay, I want to talk about the challenges that come with starting your own business and having to be the one that then like the, the buck stops with you, you've got to figure it all out and going from being an employee mentality of having, always having someone that you can kind of go to that can sort out those things. And then you're kind of responsible for all of that yourself. Did you find that shift difficult?
0: I, I did in a way. And I think I was really lucky that I could work for, you know, part-time for, you know, almost, was it was just over two years um while I was building my business so I suppose I had that um support of you know my colleagues at the time and you know other mentors and you know business industry colleagues and things to bounce ideas off and um one of my previous managers before I started my business I reached out to him um, and he'd been a mentor for me for a long time and you know, I asked him all the questions about starting a business and what should I do and how should I start and everything. And I think you know some of the the tips that he gave me at that very start put me in good stead um, while I was working part time. And I think one of the one of the biggest challenges of starting your own business versus being an employee is you know being accountable to yourself that you know, you've created a business for a reason and it's always remembering that reason. Um, And for me, it was that I wanted to help small business, small, medium business owners, you know, achieve better results online. Um, And the other thing was, was flexibility is that, you know, I didn't start my business to be working after hours. You know, I didn't start my business to be working, you know, at 9pm at night or on a Saturday or a Sunday. So, you know, it did take a little while to figure that out, but um, once I did and, and you know, keep reminding myself of that, you know, it's, it's that that helps you make those decisions and, you know, more recently, probably the last six months, um, you know, as my business has grown and grown and grown and I've now got, you know, two subcontractors that are working for me, um, I didn't think I'd be in this position so quickly after going full-time and I suppose it's just remembering those reasons why you started your business. And you know, even on the weekend, I went away and I gave myself the weekend off, and I was totally fine with that. Whereas, I think back to January this year, I went away um, for I don't know, might have been five days with my husband, and I remember sitting in a coffee shop at one point, and this was when I was still part time, and I remember sitting in a coffee shop feeling so anxious that I felt like I was going to throw up because I had so much work to do in that sort of you know one or two hour window that we were just we were both actually doing a bit of work and we'd agreed that we would um, but I just remember feeling so anxious that I had to get you know x amount of work done in that one to two hour window while we're having a coffee and a cake or whatever and I'm like this is no way to live my life I started my business because I wanted that freedom and I wanted to enjoy the work so yeah that's sort of been my journey this year and it's it's probably been my biggest lesson, but it's just, yeah, it's, that's it. Remember, remembering why you started your business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. we were having a little conversation before we hit record mm-hmm. about the, the challenges that do come up when you have your own business. A, you have your own business and B, it's something you genuinely enjoy doing. Like I mm-hmm. genuinely get a kick out of my work. 90% of the stuff that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, I love and it makes me happy and I get fulfilled out of it. And I was saying to you that, if I didn't have kids, I, I, I find it really difficult to set those boundaries. Like for me, one of the things I struggle with is if I don't have kids for the day, my thing is, well, I may as well do some work to make it worthwhile. And if I didn't have kids, I'd find that a lot more of a challenge to set those boundaries. But I am physically limited with the time that I can spend on my on my work because I've got
0: yeah. two
1: little humans that like need me to take care of them. And, and yep. so it does make it easier to like I'm not working at dinner time or I'm not working first thing in the morning because I have these clear boundaries. But if I didn't, I would really struggle. And I think even now, one of the most challenging things for me is setting those really clear boundaries. And it's not that someone else is putting that pressure on myself. It's that I'm putting that pressure like, well, I could do it or I could do this one more thing. Or So it does become, It I think that that's one of the biggest lessons as a business owner that you do have to, you know, come back to, why have I started this business and what I want to, what do I want to get out of it and set those, like be more firm with yourself because it's, it can be really challenging.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, um, you've, you know, you've got to treat your business as though you are going to work for the day. And, you know, if you were working for somebody else, you would be getting in your car or getting on the train or the train, commuting to work, getting your work done and leaving. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to have, um, an office here at home it's separate from the rest of the house. And, you know, I treat it like that. I get up and get ready for the day. I'll either take my dogs for a walk in the morning or lunchtime or whenever it makes sense for me. Um, I get dressed, I put on my makeup if I want to, um, or my trackies, whatever that might be. Um, So I treat my business as though I'm going to go and work for somebody else, because if I didn't, I, yeah, I do, I find myself, you know, working, Um, late some nights and and on weekends. So I think it's just really important to set those boundaries for yourself, whatever those boundaries are. And, you know, one of those that has, I've recently implemented is booking into a gym session at six o'clock at night. So then I'm getting my butt off my desk. (laughs) That works for me. So that's what I'm going to (laughs) do.
1: And how do you take those breaks when you do have like before you had your subcontractors working for you, you've got clients. Like how do you take those breaks and and take time off if you do have clients that, you know, say over a Christmas period they've got a Boxing Day sale or so how do you kind of work around that?
0: Yeah, so um, usually I'm, you know, scheduling content in advance, whether that's, you know, ads or organic. I do have a couple of um, social media management clients as well um, which are sort of legacy clients from when I first started my business. Um, And I usually do schedule a whole bunch of stuff um, in advance. So it means that during those holidays, I can not completely switch off, but I do make it so that, you know, I'm available. I might check my email like once every couple of days, Um, but it's literally like, I'll check it if there's an emergency, I'll action it. But if not, I'll let it slide. Um, And then from a Facebook ads point of view or Instagram ads, I'll be um, checking it on those accounts. Um, you know, every sort of three days, roughly, um, and depending on you know what the client's got going. If it was you know, for example, a Boxing Day sale or something like that, I'd obviously be on top of it as well. So yeah, it's just I suppose future-proofing your holidays and making sure that you're um, you're still giving yourself the freedom that you deserve on your actual holiday.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I want to sort of transition more towards Facebook or social ads in general. So. What are some of the things because I think that and I find this on the Google ads side of things as well. I think people get really overwhelmed just with the idea of running of running ads. Mm-hmm. And what are sort of the common mistakes that you kind of see that people do make when it comes to social advertising?
0: Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And I think one of one of the biggest mistakes is actually jumping into ads before their business is ready. Um, and one of my One of my biggest, I suppose, lessons that I I, before I onboard any client, and this has been something that I've you know learned while running my business, is that you've got to really, I suppose, vet if you are a social media um, advertiser advertiser, and you're you're wanting to get into that, you've really got to have a clear marketing strategy in place. Um, You've got to have your website ready. Um, That user experience has got to be absolutely hundred percent. You've got to have Uh, Your email workflow set up, um, you know, your your abandoned cart emails, your organic socials has to be absolutely humming along and firing. Um, You've got to have an engaged community to some extent, whether that is 100 people or 1000 people that you've got to have at least somebody that you can build some lookalike audiences off, for example, or retarget. So I do find that it's really hard for new businesses to start from absolute scratch but it's having those frameworks in place and I've, it's one of the reasons why I've developed um, like I've got a free download on my website and it's called an ad ready workbook. And basically it outlines the five different steps that I take any new clients or any new prospective um, project clients um, through just to make sure that they are ready for Facebook ads, because there's no point, like I said, we were saying before, there's no point in, um, you know, polishing a turd <laughs> if, if, you know, what you're offering is not ready because, Uh, social media advertising only amplifies what you already have established so I suppose that's probably one of the, the biggest mistakes I see is people going out there and they'll go and sign up and work for an agency and you know their conversion might, rates might be really low, or they might not have enough ad creative ready, or they might be discounting their products. You know every single month, and their marketing strategy is got holes in it, left, right, and center. So yeah, that's probably one of the, the most common mistakes that I come across.
1: Yeah, I think I, I love that you've got that download on your site um, about being ad ready because I think that there's a misconception that ads will. Kind of wave a magic wand and transform your business, which isn't the case. Like a good strategy can really amplify that, like you said, but it's not going to circumvent or get around the holes that you've got. I think the important thing out of that is that, like, I love what you said about the the one of the biggest mistakes is is coming to ads and thinking that you can have all these other leaky holes in your business and it'll it'll fix them up. But I think what I like to say is not that ads will never work for you. It's just that you will need to pay more to get around that sort of stuff. So setting the expectation that ads might work for you, but we're going to have to spend six more months getting there and it's going to take a longer process. So as long as you're willing to invest that and, and take the long, which a lot of people aren't, they'll get impatient. They'll say, I'm more than willing to do that. when push comes to shove, they're a month in and they're like, why aren't my ads working as well as they should be? And I think that's the whole misconception around um, optimising an account is that a lot of people think that that's just BS of the optimization process. That's actually just learning what resonates with the audience, learning what um, leads these particular businesses to get conversions and then trying to get more of it. So I think that, yeah, I just love what you said about um, that being a huge mistake because, a lot of people do come to ads thinking that they don't really need to have the other areas
0: yeah. aligned. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, yeah, it's something that I've learned this year as I've worked with a few clients that, you know, like um, I think we mentioned before we pressed record was, um, you know, working with a client for one month and then, you know, them saying, no, I'm not getting results, see you later. And, you know, I like to work with my clients and I don't lock them into a three-month um three months sort of minimum but I strongly advise it so um, because yeah like you said it does take that time um, not only for you as an account manager to learn exactly what is performing but it's also um, for the business owner to get an understanding of of the Facebook and social ads process um, and you know where their holes might be like they may come to me and say yes I've got everything lined up ready all great, and I'll review everything. It will look good, but you know we could start that um, ads process and start spending money, and then discover that there is something that's you know we we need to change within the business, or um, you know they may need to do another photo shoot or something like that. Um, you know, in that testing process.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I say the exact same thing. Like when I'm working with a client, it'll be look. There's no lock in contracts, but I do strongly recommend you give it at least ninety days because we tend to get to that sweet spot. All that that really it's humming along really nicely after that period because before that it's, it's really particularly like with a fresh account if you're working with a business that's never worked with ads before, it can oftentimes be a lot easier to clean up an ad account and work with data that's already in there. But if yes. someone's starting off with ads for the first time, it can take a few months to kind of start to see results. It doesn't mean that you won't see sales or leads within those first couple of months. It just means it won't be at its like optimal state. And I like to even say like then you get to a year down the track and you look back to those first few months and you're way ahead of the game. But it's that continual like learning and testing and optimizing and that sort of process.
0: I think you mentioned something on your, um, I think it was your Instagram the other day about reflecting on a whole year journey with a client. And there's been a few of my clients now that have been around for some multiple years and Having that data to reflect on and see the seasonality of um, of their income and see the seasonality of Facebook ads as well and you know the cost per click and everything like that it's um, it's so beneficial you know definitely sticking it out for at least that sort of three to six months because you know otherwise you could be just um, yeah abandoning a ship too early pretty much
1: yeah and before we wrap up I wanted to touch on quickly um, the benefits of Because we're both obviously client account managers in different fields, but there are also, so there's pros and cons to having an account manager versus having like DIY in your ads. Maybe we can chat about that for a little bit about what are some of the things that you think are the benefits of like outsourcing?
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, definitely if you, if you have a bigger budget to invest, um, you have, a good understanding of how your business works, you're comfortable with how everything is running, Um, you know, your email marketing is working great, you've got great organic social content, you've got an engaged community, Um, it's then that I think you should really start to think about outsourcing. Um, And you could have potentially been DIYing your ads and you've done a little bit of testing Um, And if you do have the budget to do it, I definitely recommend it because it means that, you know, you don't have to think about your campaigns all the time. An ads manager is looking at your account, um, you know, throughout a week. um, And, you know, they're making sure that your strategy is working both um, at a short term and a long term. So they're really having to think about not just your ad campaigns next week or tomorrow or, you know, what ad you might want to run for that new product that you've got launching next month. You know, they're having to think, you know, months in advance about, you know, I'm already having to think about January through to March campaigns for some of my clients. So we're always thinking ahead. Um, The benefit of outsourcing is as well that um, the, you know, account manager that you have will either be, somebody like myself who has has experience both in e-commerce or service-based um, businesses, but they're a dedicated account managers that specialise in certain industries. Um, you know, there are other ads managers out there that um, specialise just in e-commerce. So obviously do your research as well when you are um, thinking about outsourcing and really um, having those questions down about what it is that you want, um, you want your ads manager to achieve and have a think about Um, Not only the sales results, but, you know, do you want to drive traffic? Do you want to drive awareness? And then having a look at their previous experience and thinking about, you know, do they really suit your business and what your individual requirements are?
1: And then on the flip side, because there are pros and cons to both, we'll talk about the pros. So what are some of those benefits of then DIYing it and kind of getting your hands dirty and learning it yourself?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I one of my biggest service offerings or best service offerings this year was I um, I do a Facebook Ads audit and custom training session, and it's perfect for business owners that are thinking about starting with Facebook and Instagram advertising not sure where to start, not sure what their budget might look like. Um, They've probably got an ad account set up of some description, Um, but they're really just not sure how to get started and need a little bit of training. And um, I find that these business owners that are interested in it, it's a great time to um, firstly upskill yourself and know exactly how the platform works And it also gives you an idea of what an ads manager might require if you did want to outsource. So um, by DIYing yourself, you're obviously saving um, budget on um, outsourcing management fees. Um, But also, I like to think of it as, you know, you know your business best. So if you've got an existing um, social or digital strategy strategy, setting up some ad campaigns for your business you will know exactly you know how long it will take for somebody before they discover your brand to then purchasing it and you know those really intricate details in understanding you know how your product cycle works um you know your target audience um and your current customer base you know the ins and outs or you should know the ins and outs of of those details of your business so um, I suppose you skip that step in in educating um, an account manager because an account manager should be asking all of those questions um, and should know your business you know almost as intimately as you so you know the benefit there is is that you can manage your budget a lot better so you can work with facebook ads with a lot lower budget um, you can probably get things up a lot quicker so that you're um, you know missing the you know approval processes sort and of things like that um, and you know as a Benefit as well is that you're, you know, educating yourself Um, and I think that's really important too because even if you were to outsource, um, I think it's really beneficial for business owners to understand really what it takes to get the results for social advertising.
1: Yep, I agree 100% with everything that Ali just said. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to have you on today. Can you please tell people where they can find you online or connect with you on social media and give them all your links?
0: Yeah, so um, you can find me at societystate.com.au, so that's all one word, uh, and on Instagram at societystate, all one word as well. So yeah, that's the main places that I hang out on my website and on Insta. Um, I am on Facebook as well, but um, yeah, most of my updates happen all on Instagram. Well, thank you so much, Elliot. It's just been great to talk to you today. Oh, loved it. Thank you so much, Katie.
1: So there you have it. Ali was fantastic. And I love talking to her about how she combines her business and her personal life and how she got started in her business. So she was such a great guest to have on. And make sure you do connect with her online and follow all the links and all that sort of jazz, which will be in the show notes. I am running a tight mastermind, and we start on the first of Feb. And at this stage, there's a couple of parties left, and it is about launching. So I've been launching my online course now for about eighteen months, and in that time, it's brought in around about three hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and i wanted to teach others the same process that i use when launching my online course so if you have a course at the moment that you've maybe launched one or two times or a few times and you want to get better or you have ideas floating around your head about something you want to create and you want to kind of get some refinement on that it's going to be it's not a course so it's a a 12-week mastermind starting on feb 1st and it's designed to be a network of like-minded creators together that you always have a safe space to bounce around ideas and chat to other people. And it was one of the most helpful things when I first started launching my course. I felt really alone because I didn't really have anyone that I could talk to about, like what should I do in this situation, or what what sort of recording software should I use for my course, or what do you do if this happens, or what do you do if someone defaults on a payment plan. And I actually joined a US-based mastermind. And that was incredibly helpful to be able to shortcut my learnings off other people and also have a community of people that I could always talk to and say, hey, has this happened to you? What did you do in this situation? And I really feel like that community and that network is invaluable. So I'm creating the same sort of vibe. It'll be, um, like I said, going for 12 weeks. It's not a course, it's more like a, a network, and then there'll be fortnightly. Um, calls, Q&A calls, where you can ask me anything about launching and I'll teach different strategies on how I utilize systems and technology and um, email marketing and that sort of stuff in my own course launching. So if you're interested in that, my long-winded spiel, you can jump over to kgriffincom forward slash launch dash legends. The link will be in the show notes. And otherwise you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm at kgriffin underscore or just my website, which is kgriffin.com. And I will chat to you on the next episode. Bye.